0: Miller for three. Ow! He backed it in. He backed it in, and the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. Tj Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Got it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. (laughs) Anthony Denies him at the rim. Harris Levert, people don't realize how good he really is. Levert, skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Savonis for the basket. Jackson
1: turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and
2: This is TJ McConnell,
0: and you're listening to Setting
3: the Pace. Hey, what's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. Just wanted to let you guys know that we broke today's episode down into two parts. Lots to talk about. So in part one, Fachi and I recap Pacers, T-Wolves, jump right into some hot takes that me and Fachi both have about the team, and then we get your hot takes and your trade ideas on the voicemail segment. So really fun part of the show right there. And then in our part two. We have on Zach Noble from Ball is Life to talk about Pacers T-Wolves. He's a big Minnesota guy. He was there at the game. So him and Fachi go one-on-one. It's a great episode, great part of the podcast. They just go back and forth talking about the Pacers team, what this team can do to kind of fix the situation they're in right now. He also had a great podcast just last week with Miles Turner. So great to get Zach's thoughts and insight on Miles Turner and just everything they discussed on their podcast. And if you haven't already checked it out, make sure you go and do that. But yeah, so just want to let you guys know ahead of time, part one, what we're doing in part two is going to be that one-on-one conversation with Zach Noble. Hope you guys enjoy today's episodes, and we will talk to you all later this week. lachi here we are again, here to talk about another Pacers loss and the energy from Twitter and every other social media outlet. For Pacer fans, is has been a little bit melancholy, do you have any any signs of light at the end of the tunnel for us, Flash?
4: Well, Alex, we might be back, but the boys certainly <laughs> are not back. I wish yeah. they were, but man, that was real frustrating. That was actually the Pacers' sixth loss this year when leading by double digits. Mm. That should not be happening. I mean, especially when wins are not growing on trees. Pacers fall to nine and fourteen. You need all of those. All of those games where you need at least can you win half of the games that you're having double digit leads in the Pacers now fall to one in six in games decided by three points or fewer. Alex, this team looked gassed on the second night of a back to back in the second half.
3: I mean, you didn't have Miles Turner. Chris Duarte gets ejected for arguing a foul call against him. You know that that's just a major blow losing two guys that are two of your top three point shooters in the league or, or on your team. I, I mean. And then you go, you know, you play a decent zone. It didn't, like, look great, but it was really effective. The Timberwolves didn't score a whole lot in that zone. Kind of with some weird matchups going on here, but, you know, they were a little bit undersized. Decided to start T.J. McConnell in place of Miles Turner. So massive, massive size, uh, you know, difference there in terms of how you go about playing and doing different things. But I, I will just say this, you know, when Sabonis was not in the game, the Pacers were absolutely destroyed. I mean, it was like a plus. He was a plus 17 last night. He was in Carl Anthony Townshead all night. Towns ended up having nine turnovers and fouling out. Sabonis had a career night, 25 rebounds, 16 points, 10 assists. I, I mean, it was just one of those games where, where it's back and forth. But I, I think what you really saw here, Fauci, was just the athleticism from the wing position that Minnesota has compared to the Pacers because – Anthony Edwards was a difference maker last night on on so many levels. He got his hands on the ball. He had three steals, I believe it was. Timely steals, too. He had some big shots. And then, unfortunately, just just a stretch there where the Pacers just could not get anything going. Um, I'll read this off really, really quick. But Chris Duarte, I tweeted this out. He had a three to pull the game within one. It was 80-79. to After that, for, you know, after that period the Pacers scored four points in six minutes of play. That's that's unacceptable. Uh, the Pacers had four technical fouls in that period, which resulted in three points. They had a total of just two turnovers, but they gave up three offensive rebounds and missed eight out of 10 shots. So you're not going to be able to win games in the fourth quarter if you have like a six-minute stretch where you're playing that poorly.
4: You can't. I mean, the, the Pacers, the first half, it was going good. I mean, by the numbers, the Pacers shot 48% in the first half. They led by nine at halftime. In that third quarter, they went four of 20 from the field. I mean, horrendous. No. The, fourth, the fourth quarter, I mean, you could see the frustration was building up. You mentioned the technical fouls. I mean, in a two-point game, you can't have four technical fouls. A- absolutely, just, it cannot happen. And then man, it felt to me that the last few minutes of the third quarter, there was a major momentum swing. I mean, when Sabonis was on the bench, The Pacers just, I mean, it was turnover after turnover, leading to to points. Anthony Edwards, you you mentioned the steals. He would have steals and then flashy dunks that I really felt like brought the crowd into it. And it was a pure momentum shift. Basketball is a game of runs, and that run, the Pacers could not survive. So, uh, I mean, it it was rough. And just to go by the percentages, I mentioned the Pacers shot 48% in the first half, 29.3% in the second half. Then you talk about Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Alex. They combined for 74 of the of the Timberwolves' 100 points. So those three guys absolutely destroyed the Pacers. And then the turnovers. I, I, I tweeted at. I said, "You protect the rock. Good things are going to happen." The Pacers only had one turnover in the first quarter. Well, they ended up having nine in the second half, five in the third quarter when things got you know, out of hand, and it was just a shame because this was a game that, you know, the Pacers are going to open up a home stretch that we'll talk about later on, but this was a game on the road where the Pacers, they've struggled. They're now 3-10 and 10 on the road, and this yeah. was one that that slipped away.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've said that too often this, this season, Focci. They let that one slip away. They let that one slip away. It's like they don't have a closer. They don't have an identity. Um, offense gets too stagnant. Like, they're down three, I think it was. After Beasley got the offensive rebound, hit the three in the oh corner.
4: Pacers have the ball. Hurt. It hurt. hurt.
3: It was a big stinger, you know. But at that point, Pacers get the ball, and it's like Malcolm Brogdon sits there and tries to shake Anthony Edwards for like ten seconds. Anthony Edwards doesn't fall for any of it. He just sits there and plays defense because he's got way more athleticism. He's way more athletic than uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon's not going to really get around him. There's no screen. Domas sitting in the dunker spot. He's got five fouls. And all of a sudden, Malcolm's like, okay, I can't shake him. I'm going to throw it over here to Justin. So now Justin, who's not a shot creator whatsoever, has like three seconds to make something up. And I believe a shot got blocked. So Yeah, it did. It, yeah, so it's just like, okay, so that's what we came with out of the timeout. Like, really? Like, Karis Alvert. we've been talking about how efficient he's been recently. Last night, 1 of 7 from 3, 3 of 14 overall. You know, in, in this stretch, you know, there's no Chris Duarte. So you got TJ McConnell in there, and I only only took 1-3, but it's like, <laughs> they were it playing. was actually a
4: big, a big time three. Like when he went for it, I was thinking, oh. man, not at this point. Like, right? I think McConnell right. hit it. I think it would have tied the game. Whatever it was, it was in a crucial point in the game yeah. about a minute ago or so. And I didn't have faith he was going to hit it. I
3: Nobody had faith. That's why the Timberwolves let him shoot it wide open. I mean, they wide were like, oh,
4: open. They were begging him to shoot the ball. It's like got it from Indiana, pretty much.
3: I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like it was like wide open. Nobody was within, you know, twenty feet of him. They were sagging off on the middle. So great ball rotation to get the ball around. But when you don't have a shooter out there, it doesn't help you. And then Keelan Martin, um, I think Chris Sinneri said this at some point in the second quarter. He's only made five of his last 30 from three-point land. He was 0-4 again tonight. Guy can't find the find the bottom of the net from three. So it's just like they don't really have any great shooting out there. They yeah. don't. Just a lot to discuss here with this, but we don't want to over talk about it because we're going to have Zach Noble on later in our in our second segment you're going to do a one-on-one conversation with him he and, was
4: at the game yeah he was
3: at the game he actually got a video of Chris Duarte's ejection <laughs> uh he sent it to me via text and I said didn't it to respond to me too. At the
4: <laughs> yeah. I
3: was just not in the mood at that point but for the wrong you know. time he sent it. you know yeah so Zach had Miles Turner on his podcast so gonna have a great conversation with Zach about the game and a little bit more in depth with, with him how the Timberwolves have been playing that kind of stuff but more importantly that conversation with Miles Turner but now I want to move over to some hot takes. And I put out a tweet on the Set in the Pace page, and we had about five voicemails uh, for hot takes or just comments about the team and how everything's going. So before we get to that, though, Fachi, I'm curious. Do you have any hot takes
4: with this team? I have one, and it's not going to happen. But if you want a hot take, I'll give you one. What get if the pac- What if the Pacers – Put, uh, put Karis LeVert on the bench, and he came off the bench, and he was the go-to guy because we're seeing him stop the ball a lot. We're seeing, you know, kind of the, the team fall out of rhythm as he's taking a bit too many shots at times. That could be a role where he could be sixth man of the year, but it could also be the quickest way to rub him wrong. And that's why I don't think it's gonna happen. But yeah. this is not the Levert from last year. And uh, I mean, if someone would make that move, it would be Carlisle. But I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Levert ain't re-signing if you take him off the bench. Sound like Mark Monteith right now, Fachi. <laughs> I mean, you wanted a hot one. I looked at this roster. I mean, there's nothing you could do with Brogdon, there's nothing you could do with Sabonis. I don't think that Miles Turner's done anything to justify him coming out of the starting lineup so. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the only other one I'd say is, you know, what if you put O'Shea for set not only back on the rotation, oh god, into the starting lineup? <laughs> and and I know that's not going to happen, that's so, hot. <laughs> oh, it's sizzling out here, I'm starting to sweat. But you know what? You wanted a hot one, I didn't want to be boring, so if we're going yeah. hot, those were the only two that I, that I could come up with.
3: Yeah, I will say that it felt like in the first quarter at least. When there was one center out there, the offense looked a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think. I think defensively, you know, the Pacers were beneficiaries of Minnesota missing a lot of good looks last night. Uh, Josh, Josh Akogi is a terrible three point shooter as well, so there was times when Minnesota was playing five on four on the offense as well. But their big three got hot. But they have a big three, and they're they're pretty good, you know those three together, I would say that D'Angelo Russell's probably the third wheel in that group, but yep. still just a guy that can knock down threes and can create his own shot. So here's my hot take. Um, I'm not going to say that we should put one center on the bench and go with a more traditional lineup or, or a more modern lineup, excuse me. But what I will say is I think that it's time that we look for a new backup point guard. Um, of course. Everybody loves CJ McConnell. He was on our show. He's a part of our opening intro here. I love TJ McConnell. I like how he hustles, and I like a lot of different dynamics that he brings to the game. But um, you know, there's not a guy over the age of 50 that won't get out of their seat and, and cheer as loud as they can at Bankers Life Fieldhouse when they see McConnell dive on the floor for a loose ball. Like love that him. is what he does. That love is what him. he does, right? I mean, old school basketball fans love that about him, but. With today's modern basketball, there's just too many times where he is a detriment to this team with his lack of shooting ability. Um, Demontis Sabonis last night, I believe he was five of 12 from the field, but he shot four or three. So really, he only had, four eight, yeah, four, he was 0 for four from three, but he, had, he was five from 12 from the field. Mm-hmm. So he's five of eight when he shoots the ball where he's comfortable with it. And he got to the free throw line and had seven free throws. So what I would say there about, you know, Domas is don't shoot threes really unless you are at the end of the shot clock, that kind of thing. But with McConnell, like if he's not on ball, him being off ball last night, I mean, it just kills the offense. Like nothing he could do at that point. And you're talking about bringing LaVert off the bench. It's like just think about how bad the shooting would be if LaVert's off the bench with Torrey Craig and TJ McConnell. There's no shooting there whatsoever. So I'm not saying that McConnell is a bad player. I just don't think he's the right fit for this roster. And my hot take is I think the Pacers' upper management – kind of viewed this team how the Washington Wizards are built. Look at that Wizards team right now, watching and how well they're playing. They're built on balance. Yes, they have a go-to guy in Bradley Beal, some of the Pacers don't have. But what I will say really quick is just the fact that they've got Raul Neto off the bench. You can just do so many great different things. They've got guys like uh, Avdia. They've got guys like... Thomas Bryant, who can eventually come back and, and be that center that he wants was, us who can knock down threes. Kyle Coos was playing well. Montrez Harrell's playing well. Uh, KCP's playing well. Like all the players that they got, Spencer Dinwiddie, are all good players that can shoot and they're more of a modernized basketball team. Ruby Hachimura is on that roster as well. Daniel Gafford, that kind of stuff. Good team, good balance. The Pacers have good balance, but the pieces don't fit together. They don't. So it's, it's one of those things that's like, we got a lot of non-shooters on this roster. We got to get better shooters. You know, you're playing Torrey Craig at center last night. Sometimes the Isaiah Jackson minutes. I know everybody's excited to see him. They were not good. He was not good at all. Uh, it's just it's a rough spot for a rookie to be in, right? But it's tough. Yeah. So my hot take is I just think that the Pacers, if they were to make a bigger move, I'd be all for it. But in terms of looking at some of the other things, I just don't think that T.J. McConnell. Is a long-term answer for the backup point guard spot. I think they should deal him and and try to find themselves someone that can be more of a, an offensive threat off the bench. And, um, you know, I don't know who that guy is, but it, it's got to be something to look
4: at. Alex, I had a sad moment today. <laughs> I, I almost slapped myself in the face because I, I had to wake up. But I started thinking, I went, Knicks are looking to trade Kemba Walker. <laughs> no, no, no. And then I went, no, 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 that's another injured guy. <laughs> who has a history of injuries that we can't bring another one in because what would we expect at this point? Kemba's knees are going to heal themselves. I knew we needed you know help at the point guard position, but I just went, We can't do that. So, what'd you do for Jeremy Lamb? Jeremy Lamb for Kemba? Well, I the salary works, so that was what was going in my head. But then I thought yeah. to myself, This is going to be a guy that, that could barely even play at that point. And then Kemba, I mean, we're not going to be able to delegate Kemba to be the third string point guard on our team not really playing, it doesn't make sense to be make that trade then. But yeah. one quick thing on McConnell, everybody loves to make that J.J. Barea, T.J. McConnell comparison. But guys, J.J. Barea was a very capable three-point shooter. You know, I mean, this is a guy that I'm looking up at stats right now. Barea had a bunch of seasons where he was shooting 37%, 38%, 36%. That's very capable. And we're talking about on roughly, you know, three to four attempts from three. McConnell is not. He's not. I mean, this is a guy that is shooting 28% this year on attempting one three per game. Last year, it was 0.7. The year before that, it was 0.2. This is a guy that's not comfortable shooting threes, and it it shows.
3: Well, I will say this, too. like He's a smaller point guard, so if they want to attack him on defense, they can get switches on him easily. He's feisty, but he's still small, right? And he can't shoot. So it's like... (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's things that he does well. He's a good ball mover. He's good at getting into the paint and finding different players. Like, he does some good things. He's, he's not a bad off-ball cutter, too. There was a time where uh, Sabonis found him off an off-ball cut, and he got a reverse layup. I mean, there's things that he can do that are positive. I'm not saying that he's not, you know, impactful in any way. But I, I think that a lot of issues just start with not having shooters. And, like, the I, the thought of starting him last night was probably more of a defensive-minded thing with that zone. But if you start Duarte, in my opinion, it just opens up so much more, number one, for switchability on defense, and number two, just for outside shooting. So just just something that I've just kind of been frustrated with. And, you know, if you brought Kimba on this team, like, there's no way he's not getting backup point guard minutes. So um, I'd be okay with it just to try it out because at least he can run pick and roll, pick and pop, and he can shoot the ball. So. You know, he's been streaky. He's uh, not a good defender at all. I think that's why he's out of the rotation mostly
4: it is, yeah. for
3: Thibodeau. So, you know, we're trying to get better on defense. And for the same reasons with McConnell, you know, they'd hunt that pick and roll every time with Kimba out there. But let's uh, we're, we could ramble for a while, Fox, but we got some voicemails to get to. So let's take a break.
0: We'll come back and get to those voicemails. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: All right, so we've got five voicemails here: four about hot takes and just kind of questions about the team, and then one kind of recap and last night's game and how they how this fan felt, and uh, then they give us a little bit of a prediction for Trey Young and the Hawks. So we'll uh, we'll save that one for the end. But let's start off here first with our first voicemail from Blake.
2: Hey guys, this is Blake. I'm a huge Pacers fan. I'm in Atlanta. I wanted to bounce this one out there. I'm sure you probably heard this one, but I'd really like to see Marvin Bagley get a, a fresh start in Indy. Indy has a history of reclamation projects, so I think that would be a player we're taking a shot at right now. Uh, on the way out, I'd like to see some combination of Jeremy Lamb, Gogo Bataze, Hedon facto. I think that this is a uh, Pretty solid trade for both teams. I think you could probably switch some of the players around, maybe add in a draft pick, going one way or the other. But uh, I think we need another big, get rid of a big, switch some bigs out. Anyway, great podcast. Thanks, thanks guys. Let's go Pacers.
3: All right, love the energy there, Blake. And with a Focci, let's go Pacers there at the end, but really appreciate your question and sending it in. But Focci, uh different minor kind of trade. We just talked about Jeremy Lamb for Kimba. Blake throws in an idea of maybe trading Jeremy Lamb and Goga Batadze for the second overall pick, Marvin Bagley, the third. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I'm going to be honest. I've been guilty for a while, but I got a soft spot for Marvin Bagley. I really feel like him being in Sacramento. Has been a major detriment to him. It's obvious he fell out of uh, favor with Luke Walton over there. I know they have made a coaching change recently. And uh, Marvin Bagley actually played some good minutes in their, their win over the Lakers last week. I feel like he definitely needs a fresh start. Here's the thing, though. Jeremy Lamb, Goga, yeah, you can make that trade work. I feel like the Kings would, would prefer Goga at this point. But then we wouldn't be able to pay Marvin Bagley because he's going to be hitting free agency at that point you got some tough decisions. I mean, you would have to be willing to let TJ Warren walk at that point and give Bagley a new deal. So I definitely don't want to throw in the draft pick. I think we can get it done without it. I feel like Bagley and Sacramento, that's coming to an end once this season's over, if not beforehand. But man, I like where your head's at there, Blake, because I do think Bagley has that untapped potential still to go. Should have never been picked second overall, but Uh, due to needing a new contract at that point, I don't think we can invest in another big.
3: Well, I think one of the big questions we have to ask is, who's investing in Marvin Bagley next year during the offseason? Because we know there's not a lot of teams that have a lot of cap space. So if, like, a team that's not very good wants to overpay for him, like, I could maybe see that happening. But at the same time, like, you bring him here, and he's playing behind Turner and Sabonis, it's going to be one of those things where, yes, I think he might be an upgrade over Gogo Batadze, but at least Goga can accept his role. Can Bagley accept his role as a third-strength center that might not see the floor every night? That's like To me, it would make more sense to bring Bagley in if you were trading maybe one of your two starters Completely agree. letting him play as the backup center, right? And, and then you find another piece that's worth the, the starter you gave up, whether it's Sabonis or Turner. So that's kind of where I would go with that. I mean, I'm all for that trade. I don't know if the Kings would be for it at this point, but I think you hit on, I think you're right, Fachi, that they probably would value Goga at least because he's cheaper. I think so. Got one more year, they don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the whole Bagley headache. But you know, Bagley's a good player. Just you know, the Kings are a tough organization to play for. I feel like they're just so hit or miss with their talent evaluation and what they put together. It's like that's why they've been through so many coaches. It's like it doesn't change the way the roster is constructed and how that front office has assembled that team. But but that being said, you know, I don't think fans are going to be too excited about acquiring another big, right? So <laughs> exactly, this is, uh, exactly. This is not moving the needle whatsoever. But, you know, if I'm all, I'm all about a redemption story from Marvin Bagley here with the Pacers because uh, why not? But um, let's move on to our next question. Zach is up with our next question. So, Zach, take it away.
5: All right. My name is Zach Burnett. And if I'm Kevin Pitcher, I'm selling everything. I'm over this team. They don't want to play together. They barely look like a team when they're out there. Too many guys taking 90 dribbles of possession. I'm over it. I'm r- hitting the reset button. I know we just signed Carlisle to a big deal. I know we just signed Grogan to a big deal. Get a out. Don't care. We need to figure something out here. And this ain't it. It ain't working. I don't care. We don't have one. This team should be winning more than they are.
3: Oh, man. Zach is fired up. He is ready to sell high on everything here, Fachi nobody's safe he he wants carlisle even out at this point so uh just a lot there from zach with his hot take
4: yeah no definitely a lot i understand the frustration we're all frustrated but at this point i don't see the pacers just uh you know getting rid of carlisle i mean they, they made him one of i believe like the top five highest paid coaches at that point so they're invested they Invest in the assistant coaches brogdon cannot be traded uh this year uh, at that point, I mean, look, when it comes to moving on, sure, you can you could make a trade one of the bigs, maybe, you know, try and trade TJ Warren, but we we talked about it. his value is not existent at this moment. So we can make a move, but i don't I don't think we're gonna see the team unload all these players during this year. We might see them, you know make a big one big deadline move and then revisit things in the off season. But for now, this team, they're dead set on, Getting worn back healthy and trying to see the starting five. I know it sounds like a broken record, but things are rough right now. They really are. So I understand the frustration.
3: I love it. I love the energy that that Zach brings to the table because, quite frankly, you know, trying to keep a level head, we can't overreact the way Zach is. But there's probably parts of us that just like, man, I'm tired of watching this. Like, oh yeah, let's let's God, we got to do something, right? And I I completely understand like where you're coming from. And my favorite part of that whole entire voicemail was when, when Zach was like, we got guys who want to dribble the ball 90 times per possession. You know, the, the ball becomes flat eventually by the time the paces are done dribbling the ball out of it for that entire 24-second uh, shot clock. But, you know, there are a lot of flaws with this roster. I will not dismiss that. I, I feel like Carlisle is somewhat to blame because he's not utilizing guys correctly, in my opinion. I mean, why are you having TJ McConnell on the floor to be a guy to spread the spread the floor? Like, even, even Chris Denary made a face last night that Quinn Buckner had to call out. And Quinn's like, you got to take that shot. You got to take that shot. It's like, you know, Quinn's the ultimate optimistic uh, pacer guy. And it's funny because Daenerys is pretty positive too, but the fact that he gave a face and QB called him out for it just kind of shows you where uh, even Daenerys at with like, what is T.J. McConnell shooting the shot for? Why is he really in the game? I mean, but <laughs> with that said, like Sabonis could be utilized a little bit differently. Uh, Brogdon, you know, there's times where he gets a little bit, too happy with the basketball and, and and can be a little bit shot happy. So I get the frustration. I agree with you. Even without T.J. Warren, this team should be winning more. But, you know, it's it's still semi-early in the season. I'm not, like, saying they should just blow it up completely, but I would be okay with them making changes to this roster. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that because uh, nobody on this team, in my opinion, should be safe.
4: From from being traded, yeah. No no one has a label of being untouchable at all. I mean, no one has, has won enough to be able to say this guy is safe. But yeah, I mean, with, with Warren, it, it feel like we're stuck in the mud in terms of waiting for him to to come back so we could finally see everyone together. But then the real question is, how many games do we do we give that? I mean, are we, is a month enough time to say, hey, this starting five can click when we know Warren's going to be rusty to start, but. That's the thing. For right now, it's rough. but We just got to wait it out a bit longer. But I cannot tell you with a straight face that changes don't need to be made. It's obvious they do.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Let's move on to our third voicemail. This comes from Samuel. Samuel, take it away.
5: What up, y'all? This is Samuel Pierre. Um, I just want to give you all my take on the Pacers' season so far. So, like, obviously it's a 9-14 star and it's a really beginning of season. And everyone wants to talk about training and all this stuff, but like, you gotta give it some time, man. I mean, when TJ Warren comes back with a full, healthy starting lineup, you gotta give that a chance. If that doesn't work by the trade deadline, I say they trade up on the big all-stars and, um, and go from there. Maybe even get Ben Simmons for, at this point because if it's not gonna work, it's not gonna work. You gotta make a change if it doesn't keep working. So, North of Patriots to be great. They gotta make a change if it's not gonna work. So, yeah, thanks guys. See you later.
3: Okay, so so Samuel's kind of like in the like, give it a little bit of time, but after Warren comes back and it's still not working, then changes should be made. And, you know, I, I was laughing because Samuel's trying to talk himself, it, to me, it felt like Samuel's trying to talk himself into not overreacting, but then he's kind of talking himself into like maybe overreacting a little bit at the end of everything here. So Fachi, you know, talked about maybe going after Ben Simmons, saying if it's not going to work, you, you got to make changes. If they want to be great, they got to make changes, you know. Um, But we we appreciate you, Samuel, for, for putting in this thought and this question. But I think I'm kind of on board with you here to give it a little bit more time to see what they can do with Warren. But at the same time, I still think that there should be some changes made to the roster.
4: Absolutely, Samuel. I'm with you here. And I know exactly how it goes in terms of trying to tell yourself everything will be all right. And then eventually, you know, you talk yourself into something completely different. I've done it before saying, man, this Pacers team stinks. And then I look at the schedule and go, wait a minute. I think we can go, you know, six and four here, whatever it is. Um, But here's the thing. I'm with you. This team, I mentioned it. They're waiting on TJ Warren to come back. I don't know why we're treating TJ Warren as if he's, you know, Kevin Durant or anything like that. The godfather. Yeah. I mean, we're really just like, oh, my God, he's going to save it all. But, no, we need to see him with the rest of the starters so we can at least get some closure on all this. And then when you bring up Ben Simmons – at one point I was very against it. Now I'm, I'm open to it. I really am. I, I'm just ready to roll the dice and say, we need something different. We need some, some talent that, you know, I don't want to call ben a, ben a superstar, but it's like, he has high, high, a high, high ceiling that the rest of the team does not have, unfortunately. And and you've got to make a change at some point. I don't know if he'd be happy in Indiana or not, but you know, you, you gotta make a change, and, and Ben Simmons is that uh, that guy that wants out.
3: Uh, ben Simmons is an easy target for people to talk about because clearly everything in Philadelphia is not working out. There's been rumors of the Pacers involved, but I don't see anything on this Pacers roster being enticing to what the Philadelphia 76ers want in return. So especially not
4: throwing the flag and
3: right, and, and that's true. And they can't try for Brogdon. So yes. with with him getting re-signed to an extension. That was off the table. So that's, uh, you know, I don't know what happens. Maybe a third, a three team deal. Those are always hard to get done in the NBA, but you, you never know. It's happened before. I just, I would like Ben Simmons, though. I don't think it's a bad idea. And a lot of people were anti Ben Simmons at the beginning of the offseason. And now they're like, oh, please, Ben Simmons. So I'm enjoying the flip flop, uh, the flip flop from people <laughs> on Ben Simmons. But let's move on here to our fourth voicemail. This comes from Pat. And, and Pat, It's got a lengthy topic that he wants to bring up so buckle up it's going to be about a minute and a half two minute uh voicemail here from from pat but he's got some great points so listen to what pat has to say
5: hey good afternoon Foshi and uh alex uh my name is peck i'm from the digest uh i don't have a hot take so much as a question i'm curious of what you guys think our asset management has been over the past few years I feel like part of the problem of why we are where we are started the year that Victor tore his knee. Or well, tore the muscle above his knee, basically. Uh, that was the year that we had several large free agent contracts that were expiring, and they were all let go for just basically cap space. Uh, we didn't resign. We didn't trade anybody. And then that's also the very famous – uh Thad Young went into the office and talked to Kevin Pritchard and with tears in their eyes. They all uh, decided to keep the team together, which, okay, we got a first-round exit, a sweep by the Boston Celtics, yay, uh, and we haven't won a playoff game since. Uh, I'm just curious if you guys agree with me or have a different view that we should have tried to get something for these players before that. Uh, You know, when we knew that Victor was going to be gone for the year, why keep going? Uh, You know, why didn't we trade – Boyon for a low first-round draft pick. I mean, sure, we like Boyan. Everybody likes Boyan, but we let him walk for nothing. Yeah, you can make the argument we got T.J. Warren uh, for that. Well, how's that going for us, you know? Uh, it, that's. I think it's just been a really poorly managed time, and I think we're approaching again where we're going to have expiring that, you know, are we just going to once again let these people walk? We all know that free agents are not going to sign with Indiana. So it's just best to me to use them as tradable assets. I'll just look, hopefully you guys uh, answer that and go from there. Big fan, becoming a big advocate for you guys. Uh, just found your show last summer and really, really enjoy it.
3: Okay, Fachi. So, you know, Pat did a great job of explaining things. And uh, first and foremost, uh, really appreciate that you're a big fan of the show and um, that you advocate for us. I mean, that really means a lot. So glad you found us last summer and um, really glad you're enjoying it. We might have to get you on for one of our fan of the week. So if you'd be interested in that, reach out to us and uh, maybe we can work something out. But this voicemail brought up some good points and some that we haven't really talked about going all the way back to 2018, 2019, when the Pacers were swept by the Boston Celtics. Fachi in that moment, when Oladipo goes down and it feels like the season's kind of a lost cause now, do you remember how you felt? I can't remember how I felt, but were you on board with, maybe making some trades and, and trading some of those guys that were expiring contracts.
4: It's tough because I, I understand, like, I mean, the, the Depot Pacers marriage at that time, like it seemed really positive. It seemed like the Pacers found their guy. He went to IU. I mean, it seemed at the time loved being there. It seemed like we found that diamond in the rough. And then you also talk about that Boston Celtics series. You got to remember Sabonis wasn't able to play in that series. So it seemed like, oh, man, yeah, we got swept by Boston, but we were without Oladipo. We were without Sabonis. Like, just give it some time. And then you know what? You brought up a good point, Pat. Boyan leaves in free agency, and I don't think anybody expected that. I think the Pacers really expected that they were going to re-sign Bogdanovich, and he ends up getting, you know, that deal with, uh, with Utah, and, and and he leaves, and the Pacers worked out a deal for TJ Warren and and just – I mean, things changed real quickly. I think they did have an opportunity to maybe make some trades, but I think they didn't think that Oladipo was truly going to miss a calendar year. I mean, I, I think they thought maybe he'd be back, you know, a little bit earlier and, and maybe Bogdanovich comes back. And I think the problem was is that that team was a very fun team and the fans really liked them. And when when a couple things changed, Oladipo, you know, whatever happened during his rehab – Between the team and him, things changed over there. Bogdanovich leaves, and, uh, you know, that was a turning point. It really was. That Oladipo Mm -hmm. injury changed everything.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Bojan, Thad, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Tyreek Evans were all free agents that next season. And so the Pacers really were banking on getting that cap space. And with that cap space, they were able to acquire Jeremy Liam, Malcolm Brogdon, and T.J. Warren. And, you know, in this voicemail, Pat goes, you know, look how good T.J. Warren's been for you. But if you go back and look, I mean, that first season under McMillan, T.J. Warren looked awesome. You know, Mm -hmm. the injuries, though, were always a concern. So I get that bit of a problem there because, you know, injuries are something this team has way too many of. And we continue to acquire players that have multiple injuries. So it's very frustrating. But, you know, I think in the moment I was like, I respect Thad Young for like, hey, let's let's ride this out because I think Oladipo got hurt right around February in the middle in the beginning of February. So it was like, what's going to happen January? I think it was actually end of January, January. yeah, end of January. And the trade deadline was just like maybe two weeks away. So like, that's a quick decision to to make, especially after you felt like with Victor you had a chance to be competitive, at least more so competitive in the um, in the playoffs. And Sabonis really was not good. In that Celtics series, um, Al Horford had his way with both him and Miles Turner. Tyreek Evans, honestly, at points, was the best player on the court for the Pacers Ugh. during that series. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. He I was. know,
4: I know. And I McDermott
3: know. got played out of the rotation. Aaron Holiday came in for him. So, I mean, the Pacers were just not good enough without a guy. So yes, I think in, in retrospect, they should have at least traded Bojan for a maybe potential like late first round pick, Thad Young for picks. Like I get it. It would have been hard to break up a team that just went seven games against LeBron the year pr- prior. But, you know, they weren't going to sign Darren Collison back. They already had made plans that they were going to start Sabonis because he wanted to start. They decided not to bring Thad back. So really the only guy they were going to, like, potentially keep was Bojan. And I'm honestly glad they didn't because Bojan's looked a little bit slower this year. He's still a good player, still a good shooter. But – Quite frankly, like you know, he was in his thirties at that point, and I didn't think that his timeline really fit the timeline, timeline of this team. So similar to McDermott last year, they should have probably traded him as well. I agree with you. I think sometimes the the, the organization and the front office does a poor job of realizing when the window is closing value wise on their players, and they're more reactive than proactive, in my personal opinion. And I think they should be a little bit more aggressive and 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 looking at making trades because. You know, it's uh, it's cool to, like, sneak in and get Levert in this Oladipo, James Harden, big old fiasco. But at the same time, it's like, when are we going to really make a big, splashy move that nobody sees coming? Because everybody knew they're going to trade Depot, They just didn't know when.
4: Yeah, and, and you know what, man? I, what's really tough is I've, I've talked about that. I feel like the Pacers front office it has been focusing on – too many like good high character individuals to try and have a team on the court that the state could be proud of. And I just feel like maybe Tyreek Evans was that guy that they went for. And when things went real South, I wonder if that really scared them off from bringing in anyone that could be a bit questionable. And sometimes you, you need the best athletes out there. I'm not saying get anyone who's got like a criminal record or anything, but it's like, we need some dogs. We need some guys that are, you know, maybe a little less conventional and the Pacers have geared towards the very high character good guys that everyone can be proud of type of players and those don't really win games because they're too nice
3: yeah I mean they actually if people remember JJ Redick was the guy they were going after Redick even said it was between I believe it was between the Pacers and Philly or maybe New Orleans I can't remember at this point it might have been New Orleans after Jimmy Butler left uh Philadelphia and went to Miami. I think he might've been, I think that's when he left was this season, but I could be wrong, but it was still like JJ Reddick was like, I want to come to Indiana. Like, I mean, that was a, that was like a thought in his mind about coming here. Like he even said it on his podcast. I really thought about it, but at the last second decided to go elsewhere. And you know what? We ended up getting uh Tyreek Evans. <laughs> a lot of people were not a fan of that era. I don't blame yeah. you. It was rough. I don't know how many layups he missed. And that's when point blank. Sabonis would always clean up his mislayups and get rebounds and points, so it worked out great for Domas that season. But yeah, I mean, uh, just a just a rough year, and the Pacers have had those for the last couple of years. You know, incomplete benches, and quite frankly, just too many inconsistent players in your starting lineup. And you know that that team would have been really good had Oladipo stayed healthy. But even Oladipo was starting to regress a little bit as teams focused in on him more and more. Started to realize if we take him away, this team is pretty bad. I mean, remember the double teams that the Cavaliers put on him in the playoffs and just kind of took him out of the game at points. So um, anyway, let's wrap this up with our last voicemail here from Turner's Block. Our good friend, Big Glenn, gives us a little bit of a recap on on last night's game to the Timberwolves and gets us a little bit excited for, for a rematch with Coach Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks. So... Close us close out, Big Lynn, and when we come back, after that, it'll be Zach Noble and Mike Fachi.
2: Woo! It is Big Lin here. Let me tell you the man. That game may have been crap tonight, but I'll tell you what, man. We're gonna be uh, melting the ice tray on Tuesday so much that he's gonna be uh, eating the words to the most ice, ice babies, baby. Let's go.
3: All right, that is it for part one. Make sure you guys go check out part two One-on-one conversation with Zach Noble and Mike Fauci.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.